Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the podcast where we explore what redefining relationships looks like through a sex-positive lens. Let's kick shame and guilt to the curb and really start living a sexy, authentic life. I'm passionate about normalizing out-of-the-box ways of designing relationships. There's nothing quite like finding your tribe and experiencing the freedom of being completely yourself without judgment. I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Well, we are back for another episode of Breaking Free Authentically. I'm so glad you're back to join us. This is episode four. I can't believe I'm already on episode four. That's crazy. Um, But today's going to be a really exciting episode. It's probably a tough one for a lot of people because I think sometimes we don't want to admit it. So it's called, are you ready? Let's talk about sexual shame. So I had a whole episode on sex positivity. And so now it's time to do uh, an episode on shame and the difference between sex positivity and sexual shame. Or let's show the reason why we need to be sex positive and why it's so important, you know, in our lives. So I am recording this so late compared to normal. So it's going to be a long night of editing tonight. However, I wanted to make sure that what I wanted to share with you was clear and that it just was going to be really valuable for you. So I hope that you get a lot out of this. Um, It's been a really nice thing to look up because it is multifaceted. It does cover a lot of areas and I'm, I could talk way more about it. So I might do another episode later on or do an interview with someone just talking about sexual shame with someone who deals with sexual trauma and, and things like that. I have a lot of great people in my life that I would love to have conversations with. So let me know if it's something you want to hear more about. Um, I'm always looking for your feedback. I've appreciated all the feedback that I have gotten so far. I've had family reach out, which has been so amazing, and old friends that I just never thought um, would be listening to this. And um, sometimes it's scary to tell your truth, and sometimes it's scary to be authentic and to live your truth and and not have people agree or like what you say. Um, but I still have to be true to myself. And I'm so thankful that I was able to break free authentically, like I say. And so I want that for you too. And so I want to give you as much information as I can to help you make educated decisions and help you come to conclusions that are going to make your life better. Um, life can be so short and it's, such a beautiful thing. Life can be so beautiful when we get to be who we are and not hide in the shadows. Um, Not allowing shame and guilt to control our lives is just such a gift. So this is the gift I want to give you. So this is my talk on sexual shame. Let's talk about it. We'll be right back. Please visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com. And subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser by clicking the link at the top of the page. That would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love to have you join our private Facebook community and oasis called Breaking Free to Be Authentically Me. All links will be in the show notes. Enjoy the show. So here we are again for episode four of Breaking Free Authentically. So exciting. So today's topic, like I said, is uh, it's a it's a big one. It's a big one. Let's talk about sexual shame. And I don't know that people realize necessarily how much shame and guilt actually affects them, affects their sexuality, affects their relationships. I don't know that they realize it. Um and I, I don't know that a lot of people realize that they actually have shame and guilt when it comes to sexuality. It's just a part of our culture, just a part of our world. 
that we behave in that way or that we think of sexuality in that way. So I'd like to just unpack that a little bit and just start off with what is sexual shame? And how would you put that? I was thinking about it quite a bit and I came up with a definition myself. Um, And I said that it's a, a feeling of shame or guilt around sex and sexuality or feeling of shame or guilt for thinking about or participating in sexual things, such as pleasure and intimacy, lust, desire, all those kinds of things. But I was researching and I found um, the page, Dr. Kellifern Pomeranz. She is a clinical psychologist, certified sex therapist, coach, and relationship expert. And she writes this. She says, sexual shame refers to the feeling of profound responsibility and deep remorse associated with participation in and or thoughts and fantasies about sexual activity. Let me read that again. Sexual shame refers to the feeling of profound responsibility and deep remorse associated with participation in and or thoughts and fantasies about sexual activity. She says that a high level of sexual shame can place an individual at risk for sexual dysfunction, impaired relationships, and sexual acting out. I will put a link to her um, website because she does work with people and things in a specific way. But I just really liked what she wrote. She had a lot of really great things to say that I'll reference in this uh, podcast episode. So yeah, I will put a I will put that link in the show notes. What do people feel shame about? Like, what is it that it affects or, or like, what is it that we feel shame about? It, it could be a lot of different things. So a lot of people um, feel shape, shame about their bodies. So body acceptance. They feel shame about pleasure, enjoying pleasure in their bodies. And I mean, that seems like that's crazy to think that. But a lot, a lot of people feel shame and guilt about feeling pleasure. And I'll get into why that is. Um, I always talk about the programming. So a lot of that is programmed into us and um, we'll find out from where. Uh, People feel shame about intimacy and vulnerability. Men often feel shame about vulnerability and intimacy because it feels weak to them. And, And then women feel shame while they're taught to not feel sexual. And so they feel shame around feeling sexual, around feeling sexy, perhaps. People feel shame around their desires or their fantasies. They feel shame about lusting. You know, lust is a bad word in religious circles. I remember in my faith, evangelical Christians say that if you lust in the mind, it's as bad as as lust as as having an affair, basically. So if you even think about a woman sexually or a man sexually, for that matter, like as a woman, then it's as bad as having an affair with them or having sex with them. And I I believed this, and this was a huge part of my thinking. And now I'm like, man, that is that is crazy for someone who is a sexual person to be struggling with with quote-unquote sin just for your thoughts that plays into your head and it messes with a lot of things um feeling shame around intercourse especially feeling shame about masturbation that's a big one i know that was a big no-no in my house you know and and like i've said before like that was something that was a part of me from a young age and to to feel like that is shameful and feel guilt about that, you really learn quick to, you know, shut down pleasure and and all of that, or to feel, you know, it guides your your life. You feel anxiety or about getting caught or this or that, and and you don't know what to do, and it becomes obsessive. There's just a lot um, tied into that. Some people 
feel shame about orgasm. They're unable to orgasm because they feel shame about needing to orgasm. Or some feel like if they don't orgasm, then they feel shame about that because maybe they weren't worthy enough as a sexual partner. Or, you know, or if someone else didn't orgasm, then you did a bad job if your partner didn't orgasm and then there's shame and guilt surrounding that. And, and there doesn't need to be. Um, there's shame around arousal, you know, like, oh, how long do I take to be aroused? I know uh, as women, this is something we need to talk about and normalize that women are like ovens. Men are like microwaves. And that is a very broad generalization. But in terms of how the female body works like it's it's not the same and it depends what you're sort of as jaya says like if you've ever watched uh, sex love and goop i did refer to her last week too but um jaya talks about five different erotic blueprints and if one of your blueprints is is a sexual blueprint and then if your blue if your partner is a sexual blueprint and they're just turned on automatically and you're more sensual or energetic or kinky or something that is not their their eroticism, then you're going to maybe feel guilt or shame about not being aroused. And then it can cause issues <laughs> where you think that your partner doesn't love you because they're not being aroused or they don't want to have sex as much as you. But it's really just about being able to communicate what it is that you really want and feeling ownership in that. But we often feel too much shame to really speak up for that. So those are some of the things that people feel shame about. Where where does this come from? Like, where does this shame come from? And I'm sure a lot of you can guess, but there's there's quite a few things that introduce shame into our lives from a very young age. One of those things is religion. And I don't I don't want to pick on religion necessarily, but the religious views, I say this a lot, inform the societal programming that we have. So religious programming filters into the cultural and societal programming and it it just filters down from there. A lot of people, like I said before, that they don't realize like they're like, I'm not religious and so I don't abide by that. It doesn't matter if you're religious or not because that upbringing, that programming has filtered into, definitely filtered into the societal programming and cultural programming of where you're at. So there's some piece of that that's affected by that. Things in that are taught in religion is that Sex is sinful before marriage. Sex is only for marriage. So lust is sin- sinful. Um, sex outside of marriage is sinful. Um, it is only for procreation in some cases. So the Catholic Church definitely sees it more as for procreation. I wouldn't say that my upbringing taught that. I think. I was taught a healthy view of sexuality in terms of within marriage, it's it's perfectly okay to be to have pleasure and things like that, but only between a husband and a wife. And um, being a sexual person myself, that was definitely something that I thought about and I worked on, and I wanted to make sure I could talk about and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I still struggled. I remember the suggestion of oral sex, you know, around my honeymoon. And, and I remember looking at my spouse to be going, what? No, we can't do that. <laughs> and they were like, why not? I said, cause now we can have sex. So that's not sex. I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but I was like, Ooh, like that, that's not allowed. And then as I did more research, I, I realized that, well, you know, anything that you did with your spouse would be consensual. And if that's something you both agreed upon, then then why not? But that took me a while to to get past that. And I think that even affects me today, sort of this this idea of oral sex. I enjoy it, but it's the idea of it still, I think I have a bit of a hang up around it. And 
I'm pretty sure it's, it's, you know, my upbringing and my programming. And that's not always easy to shift that programming. Um, pleasure is taught to not be a reason in itself to have sex. So in, in a lot of religious contexts, so you shouldn't just have sex for pleasure itself. And there are different, different denominations, different churches that teach different things on this. But I think that, um, in general, especially women aren't taught that pleasure is something we're supposed to have or we're supposed to do. It's really not, it's not emphasized, right? We're not taught to explore our bodies and, and see what makes us feel good. Like that's not taught. I think it's probably more tolerated for boys, but again, yeah, it's not, it's not talked about. Um, things like conversion therapy, what kind of shame does that introduce? If someone's sexual orientation or gender orientation it doesn't conform with cisgendered heterosexual, that now is something to be ashamed of and you need to go to a camp or something to to have conversion therapy so that you're not gay. So, oh, you're just confused or, or, you know, I'll talk about later that it's thought about as a mental health issue. So there's a lot of things, as you can see in religion, that have given way to this feeling of guilt and shame in sexuality. Our families, another place that this comes from, right? Like how did your parents react to masturbation like all babies when they explore their bodies they touch their genitals and they realize pretty quickly that that feels nice and so they want to touch again and some parents are like no that's bad that's shameful you shouldn't do that um but some parents handle it well and those kids don't grow up with shame about enjoying pleasure or touching their bodies there's an appropriate place in time but i think we need to be really careful about introducing shame about pleasure early on, you know, so what do you, how do you react to your children? If you have children react to them exploring their bodies, it's a very natural thing. It's not a, even a sexual thing. It's literally exploring their bodies and discovering pleasure in their bodies. And I think we need to be careful of, of those kinds of things. How was sex talked about in your home? Was it freely talked about? Was it a negative context? Like, oh, those people, that like sex or was there a lot of slut shaming and things like that in your, in your home? And, you know, if you're a girl, was that the worst thing that could possibly happen? Did your dad talk about having a shotgun, you know, so that the boys wouldn't, you know, take advantage of you or whatever? Um, were you as a boy, as a male, were you taught that, you could have what you want sexually as opposed to women or that, you know, it was sort of a conquest for you. There's different ways of, of seeing that and, and how we talk about it or how we model treating people or treating, respecting women, respecting other men, how we talk about sexuality, all that filters through to inform our, our programming and our, our shame and, and guilt when it comes to these topics. You know, your values and your morals in your home would have affected how you see sex and sexuality, you know. Did your body need to be covered up all the time? Was modesty the, the all-important thing as a, as a girl? Oh, you can't leave the house looking like that. That skirt's too short. Or you, you can't have your midriff showing, you know, somehow that a woman not covered up is shameful or that a woman's body is responsible for the actions of men. There's a lot of that that is out there that really informs how we see women, how we see sexuality and, you know, calling a girl that's dressed in slightly in form-fitting short clothes or something that's kind of sexy as she might feel good in. Though that's too revealing or that's going to, you know, and I know in the Christian circles, it's going to cause a man to stumble or cause the boys to stumble. And I always had to be so aware of that. And that still affects me today. And I've worked really hard to have conversations with my kids about, especially the girls, their um, 
Well, Emily turns 19 this week, um, 19 and 20. And they, you know, they're, they are pretty body conscious and are comfortable in their own skin, in their bodies. And if they want to dress a little bit sexy, I just, they, they have to own that. They have to understand why they're doing that. What's the reason for it? Is it trying to get attention because you don't feel worthy or is it because you just feel good in that and you're owning who you are and being authentic? Um, those are all things that come from your family and, and your upbringing and the way you think about things. So that that's important. Society and culture, like I said, is informed a lot by the religious programming. And you can see that in the school sex education what what is the sex education at school? Is it sex positive or is it abstinence only education? And so a lot of places in the U.S. I know teach abstinence only, and it's actually being shown to not be very effective. Like it does not prevent teen pregnancy, but sex positive education accepts the fact that people are sexual beings and doesn't shame people for who they are or what they want and teaches them to be responsible and make responsible choices so that we don't have teen moms that are feeling guilty and, and shame ridden about who they are and how they aren't allowed to be normal in society or, or that they should be judged and all that. Um, the message that we give kids is really important in school even and not using fear tactics on kids to talk about sex and, and talk about like healthy ways of interacting and acceptance and non-judgment and accepting LGBTQ. I think a lot of people think that by talking about these things, you are encouraging kids to do those things, but education helps us make choices that are good for us and we can weigh we can weigh out the consequences. We can evaluate what's right for you. But if you're just told, no, you can't do that, well, you often obsess. You, uh, people are unprepared. Like kids will get out there, their hormones get out of whack. They don't know how to deal with that. And then they end up having unprotected sex and teen pregnancies, right? So anyways, I could go on and on with that and I'm not going to. Um, the other thing with uh, society and our culture, like even – nursing your baby is is somehow sexualized um that breasts are never to be seen and that they're just this sexual thing and it's like what i'm feeding my baby i'm not just exposing my breast to everyone um but this like shame culture makes us go no you you can't you can't do that that's not appropriate to do in public and it's like why not? Like, why are women's nipples an issue, but men's nipples aren't? Like, it just doesn't make sense, really. And if, if you look at, like, a lot of the tribal cultures, like, they don't they don't wear very much clothes. And breasts are not just this sexual thing. It's, it's not – that's not the way it, it is. But our culture has sexualized the naked body and – the body is just a very natural thing and we don't, we don't have to sexualize it. Um, and we can sexualize it in the right context, you know, like the, there doesn't have to be one or the other, but there definitely doesn't need to be shame around our bodies. The media, the media has a huge influence on sh shame and sexuality uh, even the way media is treated that is outside of the quote-unquote norm or outside the box, you know, um, there is a lot of, well, even in, in social media, I was saying this last week that, um, you know, I can't, if I want my email to not get in the spam folder of my for my clients, like I have to not write S-E-X, you know, I have to maybe put a backwards, I don't know, uh, Back, uh, three to represent the E um, so it doesn't get stuck, you know, or removed. Um, you know, you get banned if you have sexual content and things like that. And it's like we have over-sexualized everything and we've made it wrong, so wrong. People can't even talk about it. They can't even absorb anything like that. This is like 
it's it's such a forbidden thing and people don't know what to do with it um also in the media like we have these idealized versions of sex so if we see sex on in a movie it's like just this lusting sex they're just ripping each other's clothes off and they're just they're just making out passionately and just going crazy you know and so then we get this idea that if we're not that connected or if we're not that turned on if we're not that excited when we're having sex that something's wrong or that we it's not the right person or what sex isn't always like that there's so many so many ways of having sex there's so many reasons for having sex you know it's not always about this mad passionate crazy sexuality there's so many other ways to have sex um so you know those are just unrealistic ideals also you know we always have to have a rating for anything sexual, which is, which is fine. It's good to know what's there, but just the fact that that is such a big deal. I know in, in North America, you know, like we're not a culture that has like topless beaches or whatever. That's like, oh my gosh, that's such a crazy thing. In Ontario, we actually, um, it's legal to, to walk around topless as a woman, but you don't see people doing that really. You know, there's a few nude beaches in Ontario, um, but it's pretty hush-hush. Most people don't know about them. It's not something that we do as a culture very much. Europeans are much more open about seeing breasts, and they don't go all crazy that, oh, my gosh, there's a breast, and, you know, now I'm going to be sinning because whatever. So I think that we just need to be – we just need to be aware uh, – where shame creeps in, in in places that we don't even realize that it's going to creep in. Like I said about social media, words like sex, erotic, vulva, you know, using parts. I, I know that there was a, a girl I was training with and uh, she's called the Vulva Lady. And she had a company that she was doing her website with and they decided that they weren't going to, uh, they didn't want to do her website anymore because they couldn't stand behind the fact that she was using the word vulva. And I'm like, what? That is actually the anatomical word. It's not, she's not sexualizing everything. It was just so crazy that there's so much shame associated that they couldn't associate themselves with the word vulva for fear of, you know, losing business. And that's just sad to me. It's unnecessary. There's a lot of slut shaming in the media which, you know, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit, just why slut shaming is something that has happened. But yeah, these are some of the, see, there's some of the places that it comes from. And the, the last, I mean, this is probably not the last thing, but the last thing I'm going to talk about in terms of where shame comes from around sexuality is the, the idea of trauma, like sexual trauma hugely impacts people feeling shame and guilt towards sexuality. They they might have been sexually abused or um, been raped or even attempted rape. You know, there's some statistics. Like, it's, it's pretty crazy that, let's see, on Dr. Uh, Pomeranz's website, she quotes, every 90 seconds, well, she says, every 98 seconds an American is sexually assaulted. One out of every six American women has been the victim of an attempted or completed rape in her life. 14.8% are completed. 2.8% are attempted. She said one out of every 33 American men have experienced an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. Sexual trauma can impact sexuality. And this occurs when an individual begins to associate sex with power, fear, shame, confusion, secrecy, and or pain. And this in turn makes these individuals more vulnerable to struggles with intimate relationships and sexuality. And again, you know, is it any wonder that the biggest crime against someone is against their body is, is a sexual crime because we have elevated this as such a shameful thing to begin with that you add that, I mean, if someone gets punched in the face, that's not shameful. Like someone being 
sexually abused. And and the reason, and I should probably say that there's like a trigger warning for this. I, I did not mention that. Um, but someone who has been sexually abused, it takes on a whole different context because in many cases we are taught that our value is attached to our purity, especially as women. So you take our purity without our consent you were taking something very serious from us, you know? So I think that shifting how we see sexuality can help with, with our trauma as well in those areas. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, we get to decide what someone takes from us, no matter what they take, we get to decide to give that portion of ourselves away or not. Um, and, that so much of that is is in our minds and and what we are able to to grasp you know and i'm definitely not a trauma expert um but i it's just it's it's something that i think that we can we can be so much more aware and, and help each other um and one of the ways is taking the stigma away from sexuality and anything having to do with sex you know and and protecting the people that we love and not you know and especially in in terms of of trauma like there's still so many women that are made responsible for being taken advantage of and and men still don't have to be responsible for their own actions and and that's really sad you know at the end of the day we need to be respectful and and consent is so important and there's so much to that. So um, it's important that we are educated and that we talk about sex positivity so that people are empowered in their bodies, empowered in their lives, and empowered in their choices. So important. Okay. Why do sex and shame often go together? Why do you think this is? Well, sex historically has been connected to value and virtue, as I've alluded to. In the patriarchal society, virginity and purity is equated with, with great value. Like, if, if you have a virgin, she's a much more, value, a much more valuable asset to you <laughs> in terms of property than someone who, a, a woman who is soiled. Like, she's no good. I talked about last week. I think I mentioned Bridgerton. I don't think it was last week. I mean, it was the sex positivity episode. Just that she had to marry this guy because they kissed, right? And she was defiled just by being kissed. And that's so crazy. That's so crazy to think of now. But that was historically the case. Like men, they see sex as a conquest. It was, it was this thing, you know, like they could do what they wanted and they could you know, have multiple women and all this stuff, but the women couldn't. Women have been taught that their sexuality should be hidden. It's not something you talk about. We've got slut shaming versus conquest, right? So like men, yeah, you've, you know, had this many women or, oh, you got lucky or this or that. And women, it's like, oh, look at that slut. She's has sex with those guys. She's such a slut. Whereas the same guys having sex with her are not considered that. They're like heroes. It's not okay. Um, the, this idea of modesty, again, I talked about. Women are often taught that they're responsible for the thoughts and actions of men by how they dress. Oh, you were asking for it. You know, well, how were you dressed? That shouldn't matter. If someone got assaulted, what they were wearing has no relevance on the fact that they were assaulted and that someone made a choice to dishonor them and not respect them and not have consent. And it doesn't matter what they were wearing because we're, we, we should be responsible for our own actions. You know, we, we have free will and we can act the way that is in integrity with, with honoring people. Sexual deviance. So this is something that was cons often considered a mental health disorder. So there's a lot of shame associated with, you know, sexual identity or gender identity. If you don't conform, there's 
automatic shame because these things were out of the norm and you must be must be something wrong with you and you have a mental health problem if if you're a, a guy and you're into guys you know this that's not natural and that's not how things go but if you look at the animal kingdom homosexuality is very prevalent in the animal kingdom and you can look at the bonobos you can look at lots of different species i don't know if you can hear the dogs barking i hope not they're barking in the background um kink is kind of part of that sexual deviance and people who like things that are outside of the norm um they like pain or they like to be spanked they they like things that might be gross to someone else people with foot fetishes even are considered deviant you know and and they they feel shame for that kink i mean liking someone's feet like what's wrong with that what's wrong with that and people struggle i just i had a client reaching out to me just a little while ago just saying i'm never going to find someone who can accept me for who i am and um i have this this terrible kink and everything and i'm thinking what well, what is this kink and and it was a foot fetish and honestly like come on if people are feeling shame about what it is that they enjoy like we just have a bunch of broken people that alone causes mental health issues right to not be accepted to not be able to live your truth to not be able to be authentic that is harmful and so i think it's really important not to label people's choices and desires and preferences under this guise of like oh there's something deeply wrong with you if if you like that that might not be your thing that's fine you don't need to judge someone else for it and we don't always have to like pathologize everything because someone has a certain kink that's just that someone's erotic blueprint if they they enjoy those things that's that's fine as long as they're not hurting other people and they're being respectful like that consent and respect is so important and i would never say that to to ignore that so be really careful you know when you judge others well don't judge others i mean see see that you have your own choices you have your own desires you have your own needs and you get to choose what it is that you like to do the other thing is the religious cult control right so we did talk about that before but like the reason sex and shame often go together is like if you think about it it's the one thing that most people universally desire and therefore if people if this is made off limits if this is a sinful thing if this is something you should be ashamed of then you need to keep coming back for forgiveness or you need to conform right so it's a way it's a really great tactic to control a large group of people so if you want control over people what what do you do is you you make something that they highly desire um very sinful or shameful and then they have all kinds of guilt about it and they need to repent and they need to come to forgiveness and it just keeps everybody you know it's just this vicious cycle and i saw a lot of that you know a lot of really great people broken because of of sexuality and because they were sexual people and they had no way to express themselves in a healthy way because there was no way to be allowed to in many cases i was taught that pleasure was selfish and, and often sinful right that's not a reason to do things so i uh, the values are very different and when you have a shame and guilt based culture when it comes to bodies and sexuality then there's a lot of people suffering that have no way to talk about it and they don't know where to go and they just secretly suffer in silence and there's a huge epidemic of porn addiction and and I say quote unquote porn addiction because according to the diagnostic book porn addiction is an actually an actual diagnosis because our bodies are made 
to desire, again, if you make something off limits, what's the first thing you do? You think about that thing. You obsess about that thing. You want the thing that you can't have. I mean, look at children. This is, this is common. So, you know, I think we create an epidemic sometimes by shutting off what we're allowed to do and what we're allowed to think about. How does it affect us? I've talked a bit about it, but I remember like when I first got married, I remember my, my husband tried to call me sexy at one point and I was so uncomfortable with that term. Like I'm his wife, I'm his new bride and he wants to call me sexy. And I'm like, Oh no, that's not, that's not a biblical woman. Isn't sexy. You know, like that's not appropriate. Like, and, and I think that in that, I probably didn't want to be seen as a sex object in, in my mind. Being called sexy at that point was being objectified in a way because purity is a, the greatest value, right? So here I am having trouble with that. And, and I think that it aided in shutting down our erotic connection because he had no outlet now to, to call me something in that way where we're talking about our eroticism and our sexual connection, there was not really a way to, to build on that because that term was off limits. And in a, it's a little thing, but I think it really set the tone for not having an exciting sex life simply because there was so much wrong around sexuality that it's like almost you had to tiptoe around doing the right things and the wrong things and some things are allowed and some things aren't. And as a woman, I struggled to be okay with allowing myself certain things. And then inevitably I feel sexualized and objectified by certain things when that wasn't happening at all. But I was so afraid that that would happen. It just, it just leads you down this like crazy rabbit trail sometimes. Um, so those are, you know, that's one of the ways it affected me personally when we have shame surrounding a topic around something is we don't want to talk about it. So we end up struggling to talk about anything sex related. Who do we talk to? Cause it's bad. We see it as bad and, and who's going to talk about it. It's not appropriate to talk about sex. Well, I, for me talking about sex is, is so comfortable. It's like talking about the weather. It really, it's not uncomfortable for me at all. And I actually am thankful. My mom, could talk very easily about sexuality and and like periods and all that kind of stuff. Like she didn't have trouble explaining that kind of thing. And I'm really thankful for that um, because I didn't feel shame and just sort of the, the basics of my body and things like that. But definitely other areas were totally shameful, right? So some of the ways that shame affects us is that we're not able to enjoy, we're not able to enjoy sex like we should because in the back of our mind there's like, there's a, a shame and guilt or remorse about this thing. Um, we have an aversion to it. We might have bad feelings about it. We judge ourselves and others. We, we might struggle to orgasm because we can't relax in our bodies because, again, this is shameful and, and, you know, like, should you really be enjoying it this much? Probably not. So you can't relax and get into your body enough to actually enjoy that. Men can more than women. And so there's a lot of women that don't orgasm. Also, because of shame and guilt, it's not talked about how women can orgasm. Men are not taught how to please a woman. That's not okay because maybe they're going to go do it more, right? Uh, it's so convoluted, but that is, is is one of the things. And people feel stuck and they feel trapped a lot of times. People struggle to have intimacy because you can't really be honest. Like what if your actual deepest desires are something that's not appropriate or what if you get laughed at or what if you get shamed, right? Like who knows? So that's that's something that holds people back is is shame. Um, it... it affects our bodies, right? Body shame. People are embarrassed about their bodies because they're not taught to love their bodies. They're not taught to accept their bodies. Like they're taught to hide. You know, we hide, hide our breasts. We hide our private parts that, you know, we don't 
You don't show that to people. Um, when it doesn't necessarily have to be the way, um, there's beautiful nudist communities that just appreciate people's bodies for being a body and, and it's not sexualized and it's just such a natural part. And there's, there's children that are enjoying the beach nude and it's like nothing to them. They're not sexualizing anything. And I just think that's such a beautiful thing to introduce children to just such a comfortable view of their, their sexuality and their, their bodies and, and not sexualizing their bodies from the time they're born. Like, a body can just be a body for its own sake and you can be a sexual being, but you don't have to be just because you're naked. And and it's just, I think that we've confused that again. We've, we've created body shame because nudity is, is wrong and shameful. And, and why, you know, why is that the case? And then of course we, we judge sex or people having sex or people having good sex, you know, uh, we feel guilty about wanting sex or having fantasies and desires. Like I said before, we hide away and then it can cause mental health issues. Like I said, like anxiety and depression over not being able to perform or wanting to connect with someone and, and not being able to, cause that's inappropriate or you're not able to be vulnerable to connect. And then a lot of people just they don't feel like they fit in. They don't feel like they have a community or feel like the oddball out. Like for me, being a very sexual being, there wasn't a lot of room for me to talk about that in the church. You heard that's not that's not why I decided to leave the church at all, but it was a big part of my realization that not everything I'd been told was was true and that these sex people were actually so in tune with themselves and beautiful people and loving and caring and authentic and real. And, and you just don't find that everywhere. And so finding a community of people who are not shaming sex or sexuality is such a beautiful thing. And it's such a relief when you find a community that you can connect with and feel like you can be authentic with. And, and this is my hope for everyone is just to be able to find comfort in who you are in your authenticity. If you are a sexual person, you can explore that you can be yourself and not feel shame for that. I think that, you know, there's, there's so much life to live and life can be so exciting when we aren't living in fear all the time of having to fit in or being something that we're not. And we're not, we're not ridden with shame and guilt and, and fear about the consequences of those things. Um, breaking free from this deep-rooted programming is just so liberating. It's so important. And... I just encourage you all to really consider how much shame and guilt has affected your sexuality, your sex life, your view of your body, and your view of others. So what are some of the types of sexual shame that people experience? So I alluded to some, but like things like thinking your body doesn't work right and shaming yourself for say, lack of, of an erection or having pain during intercourse as a woman. Instead of realizing that everyone is different and we can talk about these things, we feel shame like, oh, maybe I'm broken. Maybe I'm not supposed to be like this. Or maybe, you know, well, everybody, nobody else has trouble with that. And we're comparing ourselves to this thing we actually don't know about because nobody talks about it, because we're actually not supposed to really know much about it. So, that's something that affects us really deeply. People have shame about desire and fantasies, right? Going against one's personal values or moral character. So if you're programmed a certain way and you're like, oh, that goes against my morals or that's, you know, that, that goes against moral care. Only bad people do that kind of thing. You're not going to be willing to even take a look at your desires or your fantasies. And your desires and fantasies are just that, desires and fantasies. You don't have to act on them. 
But you also don't need to shame what goes on in your mind. We've been taught that you should feel shame for thoughts because even lusting in your mind is a sin, right? So if you believe that, if you've been taught that, then of course what you desire in a fantasy, that might be sinning as well. And so that, you know, is a way that this shows up. People have internalized homophobia. We talked about that before. But like, if you're afraid that people are going to think that it's a mental health issue, or if you're afraid that people are going to judge you or not accept you, you might, you might be a homosexual. You might be keeping your partner in the closet with you because you find it so shameful and you're, you're preventing them from living their authenticity as well just because you're living in fear of your, your internalized homophobia or how you treat other people, you know? Like, I know in my family that, you know, even though they say that they are not homophobic, um, quote-unquote, quote I love the gays, um, is, is a phrase that I hear often, but it's not, like, the judgment is very clear when there are gay or lesbian people on TV or whatever. There's always a comment made about that. And it's a negative comment, you know, and something about their character somehow. And it makes me sad because some of my best friends in life have been gay men or lesbian women. I mean, or bisexuals, like they're just, they're real people and they're loving and kind just like anybody else. So to put this shaming on them. It's just sad to me. Um, slut shaming again, that's one of the ways that it shows up. Uh, trauma survivors not being able to be authentic and honest about parts of their experiences. Um, maybe they experienced pleasure in their trauma and they have huge shame about that and they can't talk about it. You know, like that could be perfectly normal. They're not the only ones that feel that way. And it's just people struggle with all these things and they've already decided that it's wrong. And I want to say that we get to talk about these things. We get to unpack it. We get to think about it. We can think about things differently. Another one is feeling responsible for someone else's pleasure. I struggled with this for so long and I'm still struggle with this sometimes that it's my responsibility for someone else to feel pleasure. And it, it's my responsibility, you know, for their orgasm or this or that. But I'm responsible for my own pleasure and my own orgasm. And I'm responsible to know what I want and to be able to communicate that. But if that's shameful, are you going to communicate that? No, you're not. You're not going to be able to communicate what you like because if say masturbation is shameful are you going to know what your body needs absolutely not you're going to be afraid of that um you're gonna you're not gonna know what it is that you like and if you don't know what you like how in the world are you going to tell a partner how they can show you pleasure or please you it's so important so why why is enjoying pleasure sinful or shameful? It just filters down and it affects so many areas of our life. If we're, if this goes unchecked, you know, this is why feeling shame or sh stigmatizing sexuality and, and anything having to do with sexuality is so wrong because it filters down and affects so many more areas of life than, than just, sex in bed, right? It just, it filters down to so much more. Sexual health is often stigmatized as well. So anything from having your period, like there's so many men that are like, Ooh, it's like, that is such a natural thing. And there's women who like feel shame about having periods, but there's a lot of religions that, that teach that they're unclean and they're, they can't be touched when they have their period. Like that's shameful. That feels shameful. And it's not something they have any control over. Yet we've made that shameful. 
And then STIs, you know, they're so stigmatized. Well, they're called sexually transmitted infections instead of diseases now because we know that there's treatments for most of these things and it doesn't have to be such a stigmatized, shameful thing. It just is like, we don't, we don't look at someone with a cold sore and go, oh my gosh, you should be so ashamed of that. You know, like, but all of a sudden herpes is the worst thing you could possibly have. Like it's just, it's not balanced and it is treated worse because it has to do with sexuality in some way, shape or form. So we just need to be careful of, of how the shame and, and guilt filters into our, our lives. Okay. I'm going long. I'm just going to finish off here. So what can we do to kick guilt and shame to the curb? So I love this phrase. Um, so one of the things I love to do is, is kick the shame and guilt to the curb so that you can live authentically. It's so important. I love my life. I love being able to be authentic. I love getting to be myself and not having to pretend to be someone I'm not just to fit in. It's wonderful. So how do we do this? Well, if you struggle with shame and guilt, and it is very normal to struggle because like I said, all these reasons, the past almost hour I've been talking about reasons and in, in ways that we feel shame and guilt from our culture, religion, families, media, it comes from everywhere. So don't judge yourself for feeling shame. Let's deal with that. Let's let's bring it to the surface. So things like therapy, psychotherapy, and CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, those are modalities to help you cognitively deal with shame and guilt, you know, and, and unpack some of that. There's sex therapy, sex therapists that work in different ways um, to help you come to terms with your sexuality and your pleasure and and learn about how to have pleasure and how to enjoy yourself and just plain talk about it like (laughs) it's so important we are a whole bunch of adults in this culture that that really don't understand sex and and the ones who do are just having such a great life in a lot of ways and and i feel like there's so many people missing out on such a wonderful area of connection with others and and because they're just because it's so riddled with shame some of the things uh mindfulness practices can really help with coming to terms with your shame and guilt and unpacking that um breath work meditation things like that there's somatic body work and healing um i just was on the phone today for I think almost two hours with one of my very good friends, um, Lorna, Lorna Gale. She is a somatic sexologist and she's a sex therapist and she does, um, work in the, the BD, BDSM kink world and, and, you know, teaches proper things about that. She's just such a wonderful person. Um, and I, and I do want to bring her on the podcast. We're going to have a great chat together because she just has such, um, such a beautiful way of working with people. And one of those things is like through somatic body work and really like, so therapy is often like in the mind working on the cognitive side of things, but somatic body work takes it the healing is done through the body and we learn to be present with our bodies and to feel and to enter and be aware of our bodies. And it's just so beautiful. Um, it's such a beautiful practice to learn and to just get to connect with your own body. Cause we've been taught to just kind of not feel. And a lot of us are numb in our bodies and don't even, we don't allow ourselves to leave the sort of the cognitive realm and enter into our bodies. And that affects our sex lives too, to not be able to connect with your body. Um, if you can't connect with your body, how's someone else going to connect with your body, you know? So connection to our bodies and learning to be present is part of somatic work, breath work, energy release, energetic orgasms are just hugely powerful, but most people don't know about that. It's, so cool. So yeah, those are things that somatic body work can do. And then you have somatic, or sorry, and then you have uh, sex positive relationship coaches. So that is one of the things that I do. And 
as a sex positive relationship coach, I really work to shift the societal and religious programming that you have both cognitively and then in your body as well. And like, we try to understand where that came from and why, and, and you know, does that story line up? So we create safety. We learn to create safety for yourself and then how to create safety for others in your life so that you can communicate. And we talked about that last week a little bit, learning to communicate your truth to yourself and to others or your partners. Um, we can do inner child work. There's a lot that goes into that. Like if you're in your child, if your childhood, if you were shamed in your childhood, you might be stuck there, you know, and we can do work to, to get you unstuck and to bring you to the present. And, and so that, is part of um, inner child work and, and self-love. Self-love is, is huge. Like if we don't love ourselves first, how can we love other people? And if we're too ashamed to love ourselves, we're going to be too ashamed to let other people love us. And so how we talk to ourselves is super important. So I do a lot of work with people on self-love. Like you are your primary relationship. And if you are not good to yourself, then how are you going to be good to other people or how are you going to allow again, other people to be good to you? Um, sex, positive education, open-minded thinking, building community with other sex, positive people. This is huge for me. And I want to bring people together in community and really have you meet others that are sex positive and just be surrounded by wonderful people in that world. I just think, Everybody needs to experience that because it's such an incredible community and it's such a real, just carefree, beautiful, respectful environment. And I don't think people can understand until they've been in that environment. And then the other thing, you know, just kind of tag on, but like journaling about your your shame and 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 your guilt and just kind of unpacking where that's from. Um, that's something I encourage you to do as a as a coach as well and things like that. So those are, those are the main things that I wanted to talk about today. We have to start recognizing the impact that shame and guilt play in our lives. And we need to do better. We need to shift that and enjoy our lives. We need to have joy and we need to honor other people, honor their choices honor each other, honor ourselves. We need to be authentic. At the end of the day, authenticity, like I said, authenticity is the key. And our mental health depends on being able to be authentic. And if we can't be authentic, we're going to be stuck. We're going to be stunted in some way. Our relationships are not going to flourish. We will not live our best lives. And I have seen it so many times. One of the reasons I want to be a relationship coach is because I see so many people in relationships and they stay in relationships that are terrible for them, but they've been told that they have to stay because that's the honorable thing to do. And we are not taught to honor ourselves because that's selfish and we're shamed into conforming to the norm. And so this is why this is so dear to my heart to get these things out because I feel like it's transformed my life and I want amazing things for you. I want you to experience all there is to, to experience in life in a beautiful way where you honor yourself, honor others, and that you can be authentic. I'm going to post in the show notes uh, another article that I did refer to a bit in my notes. I didn't specifically um, quote anything, but it was a really good article as I was researching, and it's called How to Leave Shame Out of Your Life. And it is an article written by Lynette. Oh, I don't know where that... The name is uh, Lynette. I will put it in the show notes, but it's on um, uh, Psych Central again. So there's some really good. There's some really good articles there. Um, I did write that name down. I don't know where it went. This is not. 
this makes me sad because I really wanted to share the name with you. But I will, again, like I said, I'll post it in the show notes and uh, I will write her name there because um, she, she's got some good stuff too and uh, worth reading some of, her, some of her blogs and articles. So great writer. Um, okay. So I'm going to leave you with that today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking around. I know we went a little bit longer today, um, but I just think this is such an important topic and, and I could go on and on about it. And so I'm, I want to bring in some other people and maybe have a discussion about this. So send your questions. If you have questions about things, um, about sexual shame, about shame and guilt and how it affects us, um, about sex positivity, about any of the things that we've talked about. I want to hear your questions and I want to hear what you think of the podcast. So I just am so thankful that you guys are listening. Um, I really value you and appreciate you. So I love you. Remember that when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have a great week. See you next week. Mwah! Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Kareen Bedard Coaching, and you can visit my website at kareenbedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have a great week.